Hello and welcome to From the Rookery End. This is the first in a week-long series of podcasts that are celebrating the fact that we are 10 years old. I'm joined by Mike. It's our testimonial here, John. Our <laughs> testimonial, a decade of From the Rookery End podcast. How, not how have we managed it, but how have we managed to keep on going with listeners still tuning in? That's my question. Well, there's been plenty to talk about in terms of what is happening with Watford, and we're going to talk about 10 years of, of supporting and podcasting about Watford in this top 10 seasons of the last 10 years. Uh, and I think that's maybe why we've, we've been able to keep going, because there's been so many great things that have happened uh, and, and been able to, yeah, to, be, to discuss about with a, with a microphone uh, in between three fellas, either sat in a pub or outside the Hornet shop. And with me is Jason also. Uh, hello there. Uh, and the three of us have been doing this podcast uh, together uh, with, a, with a few other friends uh or they've become friends as we have i suppose uh, in in doing this podcast jason you know there's colin there's geordie there's uh, dcw there's kieran is there any other people you've really enjoyed meeting uh over this last 10 years it'd be harsh to uh to single people out there's so many people and and some of the guys that have been um sort of laid the way for us to do the podcast or the old crew that sort of did the fanzines before and other websites you got the guys like Matt Rowson who you always want to sort of sit and listen to and sort of talk about their experiences and so but I've singled out Matt there but I really don't want to single out any (laughs) others um, because it's those sort of guys that we we could well hopefully we sort of learned on and they're always sort of happy to offer us advice as well so and it just again we talk about Watford being a family club and it feels like our sort of group of sort of social i don't want to say influencers because i don't think we are but guys we're too old to be like one to, of those jason we're, we're too old to be influencers old. even though yeah although we are we are the um we are the ogs aren't we yeah apparently the wd18 boy said oh you're the ogs i had to go and look up what that meant um <laughs> and you might have to too because I, I don't think we really are the people I've sort of enjoyed meeting the most are people who a, just come up and say hello to us and who are listeners and tell us you know, what we Amazing. do and what they think is always fantastic. I always remember Mike uh, being at Tottenham, um, at Wembley, should I say, rather than at Tottenham, uh, and a bloke stood behind us going, and he turned around and said, are you two there? Because we'd been sat the whole game talking to each other like we were doing a podcast. <laughs> I remember one uh, one game, I can I can only assume Watford uh, weren't doing particularly well. He turned around and he said, we don't swear that much on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, just the people having people who have listened to the podcast come up to us is unbelievable. It's so, so rewarding. It's, it's no problem at all. It's a, it's a privilege to talk about Watford. And then for people to actually give up half an hour, 45 minutes to, to listen to it is incredible. And just uh, we see, you know, people regularly and, and shake hands and say thank you for listening. I remember once Andy and I were, um, we got the train up to, to Manchester. I think we we're going to see Watford in the, in the FA Cup at, at Man City. And there's a guy two seats behind us and he was sort of fumbling with his, with his phone, obviously gets settling in for the journey, looking for something to listen. Press play on his uh, on his iPod or whatever it was, and he'd evidently forgotten to plug his earphones in. So whatever he was listening to started blaring out over the uh, uh, his his iPod speakers, his iPhone speakers. And what was it? It was the 
opening bars are from the rookery end. Absolutely. <laughs> to hear it out there in the wild, you know, to have it confirmed that people do actually listen to it is, it really sort of, it means a lot It really, without going over the top. And we've met, as you guys have said, we've met an incredible amount of people. And it just reminds you that the, not just the Watford family, which is a special family, but the footballing family as a whole is a good thing to be a part of and hugely rewarding. Loved every minute of the last 10 years and uh, and can't wait to keep uh, keep on going. There's one group I would like to um, sort of uh, put out there and uh, separate from everyone else, even though Jason won't, is the Denver Hornets. Yeah. Uh, and, and meeting Jeff and Curtis, I think I think it was the, the sort of towards the end. I think we played at home to Sheffield United. Um, and Paul, who who comes over fairly regularly, and meeting those guys who are you know the remote Hornets, um, but the fact that they they get up. Well, they used to get up early and just listen to the games. Now they can get up and watch every single Watford game uh, since being in the Premier League. But yeah, but you know, particularly Curtis and, and Jeff and, and Paul have been fantastic to sort of meet fans like that. Um, have been really, really fantastic. I mean, that's the best thing about this last ten years is meeting all these people. The other good thing is everything we've got to talk about. And this podcast is going to be the top 10 of all the seasons we've covered as a podcast on From the Rookery End. There have been 10 years, so every season's going to be in there. No one's going to be left out. Some of them should be left out, but they're not going to be left out. <laughs> uh, and we're going to count down from 10 to 1, the worst to the best uh, of all the seasons we've covered. Watford Football. A podcast made by Watford fans, fans. for Watford fans. From the rookery end. 10. I don't think this is going to be a surprise to many. It's 2013-2014. We started with Gianfranco Zola. We ended with Beppe Sinino, and we also ended probably in the worst fashion possible. Jason, if there's any game in that season, the second one under the Pozzos, what game, if I said to you, name me one game from that season, what's the first one that comes to mind? The first one is probably the last one because it was so horrific. <laughs> yeah, burned, oh God. burned into the memory that, that 4-1 defeat at home to Huddersfield Town, which... Ironically, it was a scoreline repeated <laughs> later on in the Pozzo era, but that was just—it was just horrific. It came at the end of a of a run of, of defeats, didn't it? At the end of the season, and and it and it just felt absolutely awful. We and obviously we'll talk about the previous season at some point in this podcast, mm-hmm. wherever it may land. And at the end of that season, things felt quite positive. And I and I, and I remember feeling at the end of that season, even though it didn't end as we wanted it to feeling okay thinking oh we'll be fine because we we've sown the seeds of something here and next season we'll just we'll be fine we'll, we'll walk it and it'll all be okay and it all seemed to start off really well as well it really um, did because the first home game was a 6-1 defeat against Bournemouth it was yeah, absolutely better. fantastic we absolutely trounced it thinking we're going to continue we're going to push on but that wasn't the game I thought you were going to say Jason <laughs> Mike what's the game you think I'm thinking about yeah, well, unfortunately, you know, this this entire season was, if you look up damp squib in the dictionary, I think it just says Watford's 2013-14 campaign. But I think the lowest point, Jace is right to point out the Huddersfield game, we all thought Beppe Sanino was was done at that stage, didn't we? We actually saw him walk past us and he said, bye, goodbye, in yeah, a very did, final yeah. way. And uh, we thought that would be him, but he, he survived the summer and came back, of course. But it, for me, the the real low point and probably the defining moment of that, that season, it was sad, it was depressing, it was upsetting, that 3-0 defeat at home to Yeovil yeah. 
it's just that that's we knew it was all over but for for Gianfranco Zola by that stage anyway really the the wheels had come off in in pretty spectacular fashion but that was towards the end of November I think it was it was an absolutely abject performance and we knew then there was no way back for for the wonderful Gianfranco Zola you know we we, we spoke to him and he's obviously a, a legend of the game but having nearly delivered such a magnificent um, season the season before it, it it unraveled fairly quickly and yeah that 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 Yeovil game was just the the end of the Zola dream wasn't it it was uh, it was sad and and dispiriting and it made us question perhaps whether whether we were we were ready to go up uh, after all yeah, makes I can you... I can tell you I can actually tell you why that doesn't stick in my memory, and that's because I wasn't there because my son was a week old. <laughs> of course, and I missed I missed that game and the and the equally disappointing one 0 defeat at uh, home to Bolton the week before. So yeah, uh, I think I think that's why I don't remember them. I'm yeah quite thankful for that. It was terrible uh, that that game. It was the end of Gianfranco Zola. The rest of the season wasn't particularly pretty, and we're not going to dwell on it for too long. But but Mike, we did get. Some absolutely fan dabby dozy tailorship fire Beppe Sonino. Beppe was a lot of things, but and uh, sartorially elegant was was definitely one of them. He, <laughs> he seemed to uh, have a new uh, jacket. His, oh, he was just looked absolutely magnificent. And he was it his, was his cuffs or his collar that he had his uh, initials. Um, I reckon it was into. both. It must have been both. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> Absolute next level. I mean, we talk about uh, Gianfranco Zola being Italian and Italians being known for their uh, uh, their love of uh, fine clothing. Well, Beppe, he may not have been the pinnacle of elegance with his uh, footballing style, but with his uh, with his clothing choices, absolutely second to none. Has there been a better dressed manager before or since, I ask ourselves? we uh, I don't know. Maybe that's one for another podcast if we do run out of things to talk about. <laughs> the season didn't end very well. It was four defeats, particularly with that Huddersfield at home in the last game of the season and we didn't think Beppo was going to turn up he, he, he didn't and we'll talk about him in another season later on this podcast um, but it, it, the, the biggest thing I think for me this season was the fact that during the beginning of the season Alman Abdi got injured and we mm. lost uh, a certain character in the middle of that team Jason which just it fell apart and in fact I remember I can't remember which game it was when he, he came on his first game after injury and there was a massive cheer for the fact that Alman Abdi was back yeah, I can't remember which game it was, but I think you're right. And yeah, we'd seen the season before and we saw again the season after what an important part he was of, of that team, that midfield. Um, and he was always going to be a big miss. And and again, you sort of look at the start of the season where we started OK, but then when it just all fell apart and he was he was missing, you, you could just see how important he was to that team. This is uh, the number 10 on our list, so we're not going to dwell on the uh, the bad season that was, or the worst season of the last 10 years, 2013-14. Nine! Technically, Mike, this is not a complete season we're putting at number nine, but I don't think there's any way I could justify it being any higher than number nine. It's this season that's technically still going, 2019-20. Um, yeah. it, it didn't start very well. We didn't even get a win until November, uh, and we had a fair few managerial changes. There's no other way of dressing it up, is it? It's been a disappointing season um, so far, and I think if we do get out of trouble and we, we do avoid relegation, I think it will probably go down as a ultimately as a successful one. Such was the such was the terrible start we had, and I think it's similar to the season we've, we've just talked about, 2013-2014. It set it in context of, about the season that, that preceded it, you know, the season before Beppe, we had the, their amazing run to the, the playoffs, 
playoffs the season before this, we had the great tilt at Europe and the FA Cup final, and it just hasn't lived up anywhere near to expectations. It's been the it's been the opposite, hasn't it? We've had there's been far more bad than good. I think is the is the best way to look at it. Javi wasn't able to to recover. He had a bad start to the season, and things just got bad, worse from there. We had the sort of puzzling um, reappointment of, of Kike Sanchez-Flores, which, you know, with hindsight was a, was a pretty bad... You know, we've said before, we can kind of understand why he was brought in, but it, all, it looked doomed to failure pretty much immediately, didn't it? Well, and not so- immediately. The first forty and the second forty-five minutes since Arsenal was amazing, and then we well, went and lost eight 0 away at Manchester City. Then it did definitely felt like the yeah, wrong I've, thing. I've always argued that that Arsenal game was 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 probably more damning than any, just because we had so many shots, so many shots, and only managed to score from a penalty and a and a mistake. <laughs> so I thought that that probably highlighted even more how how badly things were going. But yes, point point taken. You know, and that, you know that Man City game. Losing eight nil in the in the Premier League away from home, it's and then Kike was brought in to shore us up defensively. It just showed what a what a terrible state we were in. And uh, John, of course, you'll remember we avoided the score all day uh, that <laughs> that day too. So we were treated to that later in the uh, later in the evening. We watched it on match of the day. So let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater because since Nigel Pearson's come in, it's been a much much more enjoyable season. You know, when speaking about it, the best way I could describe the effect Pearson has has had is that us as supporters enjoy the football again, and the players look like they're enjoying it again, and we all look like we're we're a foot taller. The players look a foot taller. Us walking to Vicarage Road, we feel a, a foot taller. We feel like we're going to be entertained and and see our team challenge and of course we've had uh, since Pearson came in we've beaten Wolves at home we've beaten Manchester United at home and and the last uh, the last um, home game before the doors were shut was of course that incredible result against Liverpool which will go down in history yeah yeah uh, you know current European champions um, current world club champions and soon to be crowned Premier League champions and make no bones about it Watford absolutely played them off the park so the, the, the season won't be without um, won't be without fond memories but of course ultimately whatever happens however it ends this is going to be one that's that's remembered for things off the pitch as opposed to to on it I think sadly for for a whole host of reasons so a real curate's egg of a season we hope it ends um, in some degree of, of success for, for Watford in as much as they stay in the, the Premier League but I think when you look back at it overall it's going to be very hard to look back on it with any real prolonged fondness certainly in the short term anyway Eight. The hardest thing I put this list together between eight, I think eight, seven, six, five, could almost be argued in any order. But we put them in an order, and we're going to tell you our order. You might disagree with us, but that's the fun thing about doing an opinion-based podcast. Number eight, Jason, was a championship season under Sean Dyche, 2011-2012. So many things happened in that season, particularly based around the then owner of Watford Football Club. Yes, uh, that man with the hard hat, Lawrence Bassini. <laughs> who could who could forget him? Um, I said one of the sort of standout memories of him was uh, I think it was was the the night we went to watch a uh, Hart Senior Cup games and we went yes. to watch the uh, young lads play. Mm. Um, and there was a, a forum the same night, wasn't there? A fans forum. And Lawrence was going to turn up and face his public for the first time because he'd managed to avoid us for quite some time before that. And then, of course, we got the news through that he hadn't made it. He'd had to pull out sick or for whatever reason beforehand. And everyone went, oh, yeah, no surprises there. 
same old same old Lawrence and it just seemed to spiral into more of a farce from that point onwards and uh, and obviously ended um, at the end of this season uh, thankfully in a positive light for us but could have been so much worse when you had the issue with the uh, the key to the safe incident <laughs> yes Katie and the key mm. let's not dwell on that too long Michael but as a season in terms of football it was Sean Dyche uh, at the helm uh, we know everything that he's gone on and done since then uh, and his massive success at Burnley and you know, we've met him on many occasions and yeah he was a fantastic fella he really did well, did he overachieve with the, the squad he was given? Yeah, probably. I think when you when you take into account the the backdrop that that Jason's just described there, it was it was carnage, wasn't it, off the field? And I think um, footballing staff will always say that they're focused with matters on the pitch, but I think you've got to take that with a, with a pinch of salt when you take into account just how dramatic the the situation was at Vicarage Road that season. But the year before, Malky had done a done a reasonable job. We'd lost Danny Graham, so I think we were going in with our eyes open. It was going to be difficult but ultimately he, he did incredibly well I think we finished 11th in the table the thing that will stick out for me that season is it feels like really that was the birth of of Troy Deeney and his his Watford career he, he had played the previous season um, but had certainly been a, an understudy to the free scoring uh, and aforementioned Danny Graham but he the Troy ended up being the, the leading scorer with 12 in in this season and of course he's gone on like us to, to enjoy 10 years uh, uh, with Watford and it's it's just great to look back and think that he played a sort of integral part in, yeah, to answer your question, Watford are performing above expectations. And I do think you have to give Sean Dyche credit for it. And I know he's got his, his critics since, and, and probably quite rightly, some of the, the football Burnley play is very difficult to watch. And he, he obviously has a game plan that he sticks to, but he had a hell of a job on his hands um, at Watford at that time. He didn't have much to play with in terms of funds. He didn't have a, a big or deep squad. He had to rely on on youngsters. And so to, to finish um, almost in the, well, in the top half, in 11th, I think it's, to, it's a terrific effort and, and you know, my memories, you know, I'm getting on a bit, 40, 42, 43 this year. And from what I remember, it was it was good fun because, you know, we were we were against the odds and that's sometimes when it's it's most enjoyable being a Watford supporter, isn't it? When when you're not expected to perform and uh, and we did on a, on a on a fairly regular basis. So although the one thing I do remember is we didn't we didn't we didn't win until September, I don't think we, we it was quite a surprising mm. win away at Reading. And I think Troy said since that 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 perhaps there was talks, pretty serious talk of him leaving, even at that early stage in his his career with Sean Dyche wanting to, to perhaps get rid of him or whether it was supporters suggesting that he, he ought to be swapped for, for someone else. It was a Birmingham player, I think. I can't remember what his, I what his name I actually remember an away game at Bristol Rovers in the League Cup where he was horrendous. <laughs> yeah. Awful. He did. He had, yeah, he had a chance early on. I think yeah. Marvin, Marvin scored early, didn't yes. he? And he had a chance to make it, I think, to make it 2-0 early. And, and the ball just sort of dribbled in front of him. <laughs> and it, yeah, and it, then it did feel like uh, it could have been a sort of watershed moment. Is that is, is, is this is what we're going to get from Troy? Yeah, we, we lost, lost, we lost that pe- and penalties. penalties. Yeah, yeah, we did. We did. Oh, it was a long trip back from Bristol. You had night. a couple of scrum pieces on, if I remember correctly, as well. But uh, but yeah, just uh, it's it's amazing, isn't it, to think? You know, we talked about sliding doors moments. We weren't sure about Troy. Perhaps Sean Dice wasn't sure about Troy at that stage. 
crikey, how wrong, how wrong were we? It's uh, it's been a roller coaster for us and and certainly for Troy. But uh, would we be where we are in the Premier League if it wasn't for him and turning turning the the corner in that 2011-2012 season? I, I very much doubt it. So I'll look I'll look fond, back on that season fondly. Overachieving, I think, more more fun than than not on when it comes to on the pitch. Uh, a very welcome uh, a very welcome diversion to the to the carnage that was going off it. And yeah, the the emergence of Troy as a as a proper striker. Marvin Marvin did well as well. Marvin Sordell, who passed his pilot's license, I saw uh, in the in the <laughs> yeah. press this week. So congratulations on that, Marvin. Take to the take to the sky, as my boy. So yeah, I think that was a that was a good fun season, but and uh, probably m- much more fun than we than we really had a right to expect. Could have been argued to go a bit higher, but it wasn't. Seven is the season known as Walter's season 2016-2017 Watford their second year in the Premier League finishing 17th Mike it wasn't Mm. a great season on so many levels it was so hard to connect with Walter for us as fans from what you saw on the pitch you can only think it must have been hard for the players as well yeah, a pretty dour experience for us as supporters, and a pretty dour experience for the for the players. We've got a caveat: this we stayed in the Premier League, which for for Watford is is obviously the be all and end all. It was important that we did that, and and he achieved that. And I remember reading at the time of uh, Matt Sari's. Uh, I love the fact that we've called him Walter the whole time. I haven't mentioned his surname until then. But at the time of uh, Walter Matt Sari's appointment, there's a couple of journalists with um, with fairly good knowledge of the Italian game said. Mm. They're not going to enjoy this much, <laughs> and uh, you know that as the season bore on, that that stuck with me. And but we weren't we weren't interested or we weren't worried about enjoying it, were we? Really, it was our second year in the Premier League, your well, hard second album. Yeah, I, I I kind of agree with that. But we made a reasonable start, actually, didn't we? And we didn't we didn't look in too much. But once we'd had the we had a wobbly start, then we had that amazing win at West Ham, which was which was a huge amount of of fun. Then it was a sort of just very very bitty from then on. We didn't really seem in trouble at any stage until the turn of the turn of the year, which has been the sort of blueprint for Watford's Premier League seasons before and before and since. I guess the other highlight, apart from the the win at West Ham, was the was the win the midweek win away at Arsenal when we won. It was two one, wasn't it? Yeah, and but the, yeah. The, actually, the, the thing is, like I say, the, the, we won away at West Ham four two which we talked about a couple of weeks ago with, with Adam as in terms of a comeback win. And, and, and it was my favourite because it felt like they were going to score 15. The following week, we beat Manchester United at home 3-1. And it's almost like those two wins really sort of put Walter on such a high level that it, it, it almost kept his momentum going. It was very, very bitty. But we, <laughs> number 10, we put a season where we lost the last four games. We lost the last six games of this season, yeah. but the fact that we beat Manchester United and we beat Arsenal after losing horrendously in the FA Cup away at Millwall, oh, we turned it around and, and we won that game away. It's almost like we got through that season, he got through that season, but the end of it was just horrendous. Skin of our teeth, John. I think if oh, we yeah. hadn't... I mentioned that Arsenal game because yeah. I firmly believe we don't, didn't, if we didn't win that, we would have got relegated. Mm. The the running the the momentum shift was so complete and so absolute for that that final portion of the season. If we hadn't picked up three points, then we would have been we'd have been out of it. We'd have been dead and buried. Um, and you know we lost the final day. Um, it was a bit of a habit that we're getting ourselves into losing the last game of the season to Manchester City by by a basketball score six nil. I think it was this it was time. Five, it was only five, Michael. Don't be so over dramatic. 
about I it. I don't care what it was. <laughs> Six, seven, ten, twelve, fifteen nil, crikey. But and and three name three goalkeepers in the in the match day squad. Two yeah. two goalkeepers on the bench, which just summed up the the sort of uh, I was gonna say chaos, but it wasn't even chaos. It was just more of like a shrug of the shoulders. It's like he he was like, Well, who cares? We'd stayed up by that stage, but but only just, only by the the width of a um, Nats what's it. And it was just so disappointing that the, the season petered out like that. But throughout, I don't think we ever had any greater expectations and hope, hopefully staying in the in the Premier League. Walter Matsari never felt like he was there for the long term. He didn't feel like he had any connection with the with the players. There certainly was no connection with the um, with the fans. His English was very poor, which is it's not a criticism, but there was just nothing. Thing for us to cling on to as, as supporters and I think we were glad to get through the season stay in the Premier League and, and say Arrivederci to Walter To me it always felt like we were sort of constantly looking over our shoulders you talk about the having to win or winning the Arsenal game was important I think then there were a number of games after that where you thought well we must win this one otherwise we're going to get sucked straight back into trouble and the West Brom one stood out for me Oh yeah, I think so. And by and by Niang kind of won the game, sort of almost single-handedly for us. I think he, he might have mm-hmm. got an assist and a goal in that game. Uh, and if I'm right, I think Britos got sent off as well, and he was a walking red card that night. I think he'd already been booked, and then um, someone I can't remember who was running through for West Brom, and I think he just sort of took them out, and you just knew straight away that's a that's a red card, and it just felt like right well, now we've got to really fight and. It was. It felt not just like fighting for the game, but again fighting for our place in the Premier League. We lost ten of our last fourteen. It was it was <laughs> unbelievably wow. bad. Um, and you're right. I think, Jace. I think that speaks to the commitment of the players. And if we were lucky, we had that flash of brilliance from you know his 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 flame burned uh, bright but brief, Oldham by Niang. But uh, it was it was worth it, wasn't it, to get him in for for those couple of games because he, like you say, he, he performed in the games that we had to. But it was. It, you know, the way at Hull we lost, um, away at Leicester, away and at Everton. And that was 10-man ten, ten Hull as well, wasn't it? Weren't they down to 10 men? Yeah, yeah, we lost at home to Southampton. Yeah. It was... It was really, it was really quite bad, and you you take it all the way back to that to that Arsenal game, and without those those three points, it could, you know, it could well have been much much worse because we 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 were losing the games before that as well. That that result really came out of nowhere. Three, four, five, six. That was we'd be we were on a seven. We were on a seven match streak without a win before that. Eight if you include the the FA Cup. So to pull that out of the bag from nowhere, it's, I don't think we can overstate the fact that 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 result has kept us in the in the in the Premier League. And uh, yeah, the more we talk about it, the more terrible this season, <laughs> this season was. Back to tenth for this season, I vote. It was so bad, but it is number seven in our list. Six. Jason, this was a season that felt like was going to be massive dive to the depths of absolute horribleness but somehow near the end it just poked its head out enough sounds very similar to the Walter Mazzari but it was 2017-2018 it started under Marco Silva ended under Javi Grazia it was such a bright beginning to the season with the wonder kid Richarlison turning up and just being a Brazilian wonder kid Absolutely, and, and fate certainly played its part, didn't it? In that that first that opening game against uh, Liverpool, which without talking about any of the players, I was quite excited about. I remember just nicking a point at the end against them was enough for me to 
start sending out abuse to all my mates on there that support <laughs> Liverpool. That we mentioned Nick it right at the end there, Britos late equaliser. But yeah, Pereira got injured in that game, didn't he? And Richarlison came on and and he looked okay in that game. He looked okay. And then I remember the following week, I oh, was yes. I was I think I was at the theatre with my missus. And of course, checking my phone every opportune moment, see how we were getting on at Bournemouth. Um, to see a couple of late goals go in, including the opener from that man, Richarlison. That was one of my favourite um, away days of the whole time of in the Premier League. A, because, hey, Boscombe's a lovely, cool little place to go and see. Um, but also, you know, it was Richarlison and then Capu. Um, but also, Mike, it was that classic game, Bournemouth, of the leave it, which yeah. uh, of Richarlison mm. could have, we could have absolutely trounced them. Yeah, very, very funny and uh, typical Bournemouth out there in the naughty little swines. But uh, so, yeah, an incredible start to the season. And I I feel so sad about the season because we got, we won that game and then there was a few other, a few other wins. We won away at Southampton, I think, which was a, which is good performance. And then, of course, came that really memorable game against Arsenal at home, 2-1. Tom Cleverley scores right at the death. The roof comes off um, off the Vicarage Road. And Watford at that stage in fourth position in the yeah. in the Premier League. And it wasn't like a fourth position just because it's early in the season, alphabetical order, whatever. It was fourth in the table, having played some really, really decent football. There was the standard hammering by man. Manchester City uh, this one was 6-0 we lost but the no, thing we, is that game you say it was 6-0 but we played really well for losing 6-0 yeah Man City were outstanding that yeah. day as we yeah. came away just thinking well we've just seen a masterclass it's sort of wore a bit thin in the in the season uh, since then but we so we were fourth in the Premier League on absolute merit Richarlison was was the catalyst Marco Silva's football was working really well we looked slick um, we were moving brilliantly from, from back to front we were turning defence into attack we were cutting through sides at will and we were taking our chances and it felt like not only had we arrived in the Premier League not only were we holding our own in the Premier League but we were actually a, th- a threat in the Premier League not to the extent of, uh, of winning the winning the title or qualifying for the Champions League but actually being able to go to any team in the division and, and, and cause them some headaches apart from with Man City style. <laughs> apart from Man City obviously but, but with some style and that, I just remember being so exhilarated after that Arsenal game. Obviously, you know, when a when a goal goes in and right at the death against a team like Arsenal, you're going to be you're going to be excited. But this transcended just normal excitement. It was a feeling like, oh no, wow, this is it. We're we're a big boys team now. We've got a big boy pants on, and we're and we're playing proper football in in the most watched division in the league. And it was it was thrilling, um, and it, it's incredible that it only like, it took a month for that to disintegrate completely. We weren't at Everton. We watched it in the pub together, didn't we? Mm. And it was the Watford season in, in microcosm, as it turned out. We were we were 2-0 up away um, at Everton. Um, it was sort of in the midst of all this chatter about Marco Silva wanting out and starting to look like he wasn't uh, wasn't keen on, on staying much much longer. We went 2-0 up in the game. We went 3-2 down and missed a penalty right at the end to, to make it 3-all. That was just a month after that, the exhilaration of that Arsenal game and feeling that we'd arrived, really. Felt like that we were we could be the real deal. And within you know a short month, just three or four or five games afterwards, it felt like the rug had been pulled away from us and we spent the rest of the season trying to trying to write a ship that for the first 10 games or so looked like a you know looked like a beautiful high-powered speedboat and we ended up being a sort of rusty old 
tug taking on water for the rest of the season. We did have another great win in that season. I mean, I'm just looking at the, the list of God and Billy. You know, we beat Arsenal, we lost three, we won two, and then our next win after that was December. Oh, gosh, look at December. One draw, one win, and five losses. It was soul-destroying. Oh, it was soul-destroying. The worst the, game, I'm, though, the worst game. You say we we have talked about that massive drubbing from Man City, 6-0. But actually, winning 1-0, losing 1-0 away at Brighton was a terrible game. I yeah. remember being outside with, with Kieran and Colin, and Decore wasn't playing because he'd had suspension because of yellow cards. That was the lowest. It did. It took another... It took till the 5th of February where things started to look up properly. Javi had come in. We had lost away at Southampton FA Cup, but a 4-1 win at home to Chelsea. It was a 10-man Chelsea, yes, but it was the absolute perfect thing, Jason, to kickstart to kick something that was enough to keep us in the Premier League. It was, and it had come off the back of, I think we had a, a sort of a real tough away game at, at Stoke, a midweek game before that. Mm. Um, where it, I think we were really up against it, but we sort of battled and battled. And and I think that sort of laid a bit of a foundation. So it, all of a sudden we've got a bit of fight back. We'd seen those sort of limp defeats, like you say, to to Brighton. There was another, that one to Huddersfield. We'd lost to Swansea, who were terrible at the time. So to, to see a bit of fight back in the side, I think that, that laid the foundations for it. And then, yeah, the, the, the Chelsea game, it was under the lights. It was on the telly for everyone to see yes they went down to 10 men yes they gave a penalty away and that got us in front and the game just kind of sort of petered along then really didn't it until Hazard scored right near the end and it just felt like it was all very inevitable and you just thought oh mm. here we go there's another mm. opportunity thrown away and then all of a sudden Daryl Yanmat popped up <laughs> yeah, in the opposition did. penalty area and what a goal that was and it just, just sort of from there just sort of lifted everyone again, lifted the entire team, and we just seemed to, it just seemed to deflate Chelsea, lifted us, and we scored a couple more goals. Another sort of brilliant run from Delafeu. He hadn't been at the the club long. I think that was probably his first Watford goal. And then even Bobby P got got back on the uh, the pitch and got in on the act. So it was a a great finish, a fantastic feeling, and I think I've still got it on my. Uh, Virgin Plus box downstairs and put it on when I'm feeling low every now and again. That game also notable, I think, because I have never seen a team turn in such a limp display as as Chelsea. Antonio Conte was was under pressure at that stage, and this was a team of disinterested Chelsea players. It was it was quite extraordinary to watch, and that's why I think your point, Jason, about Hazard scoring very very late on, less than ten minutes. Se- to... It was eighty second minute, yeah, yeah, and it, and it was like. We've let this slip again, but not only have we let it slip, but we've let it slip against a team of 10 men who couldn't care less. And I really don't say that lightly. I thought it was it was the most extraordinarily abject performance from a from a top side that I, I think I've ever seen. It was it was quite incredible. So it was just that gut wrenching feeling that we were, ugh, you know, like Jason said, we we, we really battled to a really grim draw, um, a valuable point away at Stoke. It wasn't very pretty. And then we managed to get ahead in this game. It's a thought, oh, we've thrown it away again. We, this is, oh, this is so Watford. This is so upsetting. It's so dispiriting. Uh, and then, but yeah, luckily within two minutes we were we were back in it. And very similar to the Arsenal game we spoke of in, in the Matsari um, season. I think this this game saved our season. It saved our season, and it was exactly the springboard that um, that Javi Grathia needed, as you alluded to, John. And it and it really started that. 
that um, that happy relationship with um, with Watford and Javi Gracia with the fans and, and Javi, didn't it? Because it was it was one of those memorable games. Despite Chelsea being down to ten men and being really really bad, it was thumping them like that on on TV is it's fabulous for a Watford supporter and and and, and it will live long in the memory. And I think it is this that really kick started, saved our season, but perhaps more importantly, gave us what we'd craved for so long after Matsari. After Silva, we'd had an absolutely no relationship with the fans. That we, this was the start of something, feeling like there was a, a head coach that we could actually relate to slightly. So really, really important in a, in a number of ways. Let's head into the top five. I wonder where that other season under Harry will end up. You're listening to From the Rookery End. As you know, you're listening to From the Rookery End for free still because we are part of the Athletic Podcast Network, uh, which was nominated uh, for a British Podcast Award in this last week. Um, Mike, you know, we all read the Athletic. What is it you like the most about it? Just the breadth of stuff that's on there. It's absolutely incredible, especially at the moment where um, people have perhaps got a little bit more time. The quality of stuff on there, the breadth of stuff on there, it's it's just phenomenal. And at the moment, there's you can get 90 days free, so you can check it out with absolutely no obligation. And if you're, you know, obviously we're going to say it, but if you are a sports fan, if you're a football fan, and you can't find something to the, to, to your taste on there, then uh, I suspect your, uh, your your internet must be down. It's there's just so much really good stuff on there, and uh, just just check it out. Ninety days, um, you've got nothing to lose, but it's it's brilliant. And of course, there's Adam there uh, reporting on reporting on Watford. Check it out. Yeah, Take go to theathletic.com forward slash end uh, to get a ninety day free trial. Is Jason the first year we did this podcast, 2010, 2011? Malky Mackay was the manager of Watford Football Club at that point. Danny Graham had a wonderful season. We do have a special Danny Graham interview coming up this week as part of our 10th birthday celebrations. But it was, you know, one of the, the most Watfordy seasons. And I'm saying this as a, as a supporter of, uh, of almost 30 years. Uh, Watfordy seasons that we've had in the last 10 years. Yeah, it got off to a decent start, didn't it? I think we were um, we were on the mm. telly. We were the first game of the season on the Friday night and there was only one reason the cameras were going to be there because Norwich had just come up and everyone was looking for them to get off to a good start. We weren't expected to do much. Um, and it was a bit of a surprise that we, that we beat them, I think. Well, we're about to re-enter the crazy, unpredictable world of the Championship. John Eustace scores for Watford! Watford 1-0 up on 14 minutes. And it wasn't long before it was two. And some goal it was as well. Clever interplay between Danny Graham and Marvin Sordell. Graham's finish was immaculate. Magnificent goal! That goal right there would grace any league in the world. It is absolutely superb in every single way. Straight away you saw the Marvin Sordell, Danny Graham link up working so well they look so good up front together and they were probably under threat because some new guy had just come in from <laughs> Walsall Deeney whatever his name was was on the bench waiting to take their places and we got a mention on the uh, oh, Radio yes. 5 live commentary that evening from uh, from Jackie Oatley and, and everything was, was rosy 
and we had a wonderful kit. We had the it was the first outing in the oh, AC Milan yes. style uh, away kit, which we didn't see enough of that 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 season. I've watched the the highlights, and even in most of the away games, we played our in our home kit, which probably should do really. But that uh, was a thing of beauty. But that night, it was a Friday night as well, wasn't it? And like Jay said, everything slotted into place absolutely. Absolutely. It was the first game of the season, so what for the top of the league, uh, <laughs> at least yeah. for the uh, for that night. Yeah, and and that season for me, it definitely feels like a season. And in the previous one, which we you know was Amalki's other season, where we were trying our best to to fill and 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 support a not a terrible team, but we needed those loans to sort of come in and, and help things out. Uh, we had a wonderful run in December and January. We won six games on the trot. We beat Leicester, we beat QPR, we beat Cardiff, we beat... Actually, was Cardiff the game? We couldn't see the other end of the pitch. The, the fog. Yeah. That was that Cardiff, was Cardiff wasn't Cardiff, it? Yeah. yeah, we won 4-1 that game. We can't that see this. Yes. We can't see you. <laughs> Portsmouth, Scunthorpe and Derby. It was, it was absolutely fantastic. Um, but that QPR game, Mike, away again, another Friday night on the telly. Yeah, we ended up beating beating both uh, the the clubs that that went finished first and second and got automatic promotion to the Premier League. We beat both and beat them both away and both on on TV. And it, yeah, it did kind of sum up that that season really, didn't it? Looking back on it, when we spoke to to Danny Graham, we did wonder whether we felt a little bit at any stage whether we whether we had a sniff of the playoffs and and I don't think we did really I think the the form was was so in and out just looking back at the season the first game was that amazing win at Norwich then we were we played Coventry at home in the next game and con- conceded two in the last oh, minute yeah. to, to draw two all um, mm. We beat Millwall away, which is uh, um, which is a, the, probably the other standout uh, result from that season. We beat them six one mm. away, and it, it was sort of like a season that. Really, we expected to be a massive struggle. We did start the season pretty much expecting a long, hard slog and thinking that anything other than relegation was going to be a massive success. So to have it punctuated with Danny Graham doing really well, uh, Marvin doing unexpectedly well, incredible results like you know six one away at Millwall. When's that not a welcome <laughs> result? It's uh, regardless of where either club is in the league, winning six one at, at Millwall, well winning six one anywhere away from home is brilliant. Like you say, John, that six um, six game winning streak, Cardiff away, we lost that four two, but even that was quite good fun, wasn't it? I think we, they went three 0 up, then we got it back to three two, and uh, you know I just think it was a wholehearted effort from from this Watford side. We enjoyed watching them. We got to a fair few games up and down the country that year probably very similar to the Daesh um, era that game that we spoke about earlier we had a lot more fun than we probably expected we we would it was uh, it's back to the wall stuff really in terms of the club and where they were at and where we were trying to make any progress we were treading water to be honest it's not always great fun watching a club who hasn't got any hasn't got the right to have any ambition not because they're not ambitious but because they just haven't got the finances or the infrastructure to, to, to have a sensible push and it, sometimes that can be a bit dispiriting but it, that wasn't really the case uh, this season was it mainly because it was just interspersed with some some decent football, some some lovely goals and some some really memorable results. So I thought it was, and of course that away the away kit, the AC Milan kit. So yeah, I think it was good. And of course, where of us for Danny Day, which was uh, which was great on the uh, on the last day of the season there. Yeah, it was a silly idea that we came up with, which really summed up I think the the feeling towards the club and the team, and particularly Danny. Uh, we do talk to Danny all about that in the podcast that's coming out later on this week, a special interview that we. With him a few weeks ago, Four. was 
Premier League survival under Kike Sanchez Flores, 2015-2016. There was a worry as Watford fans after doing so well and having a managerial change that the this, this Premier League with all these new players that we had to bring in wasn't going to be as, as fun and it felt a little bit stalling. We drew the first three games. It took us till mid-September for us to get a 1-0 win over Swansea. But, Jason, it it was... As a whole, a very cautious season, but one that we, in terms of the Premier League, we, we needed and it was successful because we stayed up. Yeah, exactly. And, and that was the first time we'd stayed up after getting into the Premier League, of course. And that's exactly what the target was. And you're right, it sort of took that. It was a steady start, a few draws there, and it took a while to get that first win in the middle of September. But it felt good when it came. I seem to remember it, an Igalo goal, and sort of set the uh, scene for the for the rest of the season. Um, we sort of followed that up quite quickly with a, a, a key win away from home at, at Newcastle. And I think my point of thinking, yes, we're going to be all right, was the win at Stoke. Yeah, that that felt like something, and I was working that day. I remember I had to I had to work um, the weekend, and I just remember looking at the score, walking across the, uh, the floor of the empty office, and giving myself a little <laughs> cheer and fist pump when I saw that Abdi yeah. had scored. Um, it felt like at that point we were there, and we're going to be here to stay. Yeah, it was uh, Troy scored as well. Of course, that was his his first goal, and that you know those first three games they were sort of pretty attritional efforts. We got three points on the board. Always better to lose than always better to draw than lose, of course. But that and and I was at Newcastle. I went with with Dad, and it, I, that was a, a real decent performance for, from Watford away at uh, at Newcastle. It's, that's when he started to get the idea that Igalo was going to be able to transform his his form in the um, Championship to the Premier League as well. He, he just carried on his, his hot streak. He went on to, I think he was leading scorer that year. He got 14 or something like that. But that Stoke game, it just, you know, the classic phrase, can you do it on a whatever night in, on, in Stoke? The reason that's become a sort of running joke and cliche is because it was really difficult and if a for a team like Watford newly promoted um if you're going to stay up they're the sort of they're the sort of uh, they're the sort of fixtures where you need to to earn your your stay in the Premier League and and they did it and then they went on after that to I think uh, in the run up to Christmas absolutely supreme run of form culminating in that Fabulous win um, against Jurgen Klopp's Liverpool. Sound familiar? Three, uh, three nil at home just before Christmas, and I think it was at that stage where Ian Wright on Match of the Day talking about Kike Sanchez Flores coined that great phrase. There's a new sheriff in town because Kike was there, looking very smart, looking very suave, twinkling his eye, wearing the press, and uh, was also doing doing decent work on the on the pitch with his Watford side as well. He'd complete polar opposite to what we'd enjoyed with um, Slav the year before, swashbuckling side, sort of swatting all all before us. They made a pragmatic choice in Kike, very very clear, make this difficult to beat, and then hopefully we can build on it. And it has to be said, while the season ended in disappointing fashion, really. It, Viewing it in context, that season worked to perfection, didn't it? We we ground out the draws early. We we sent out that message that we weren't going to be um, pushovers. Great opening day the result at, at Goodison. You know, marquee away wins at, at, at Newcastle and Stoke, difficult places to go. And then that that chunk of good results in the run up to Christmas, which effectively meant that we were we were going to we were going to stay up relatively comfortably. Which for your first year in the Premier League, especially after the previous two sorties we'd had, ended. We were probably relegated by Christmas in reality to be looking 
pretty comfortable was um it was a massive massive achievement and you know five years on it's it's easy to to forget especially the way it it ended on a pretty sour note the fa cup semi-final which we'll talk about briefly i guess briefly mm-hmm. hopefully and and it was pretty clear that the the loving with between watford and kike sanchez flores ended pretty abruptly in the end didn't it so it's a shame the way it ended and we ended on a pretty unpleasant run of form all things told but but overall looking at it in in Watford's sort of immediate history and potentially long-term history staying up in that first season relatively com- comfortably is a is a huge 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 achievement and you know I think looking back most people will have uh, have fond memories of it it's just a shame it had to to end the way it did and that you know that cup semi-final display still <laughs> still rankles especially after we talk about some of those really good performances we knew this side had the ability to to do well Igalo and Troy up front um and it just oh what a insipid waste of a waste of a waste of an, an appearance that was and well Michael you, you'd be pleased to know that we or I have put <laughs> together a best of from the Rooker End podcast uh, which should hopefully be out later this week uh, in it the best bit is, is your reaction to Watford losing to Crystal Palace at Wembley it's classic Mike yeah. Parkin <laughs> into the top three three was just a zola coaster 2012 <laughs> 2013 the the season of loans as it came to be known we finished third in the championship we got to the playoff final it didn't happen but you look back on that season mike forgetting the fact that we lost in the playoff final it was the dawn of a brand new Watford and it was a lot of fun. Yeah, and I think that has to be the overriding emotion, doesn't it? It's, it's fun. If you can't have fun, so, well, let's be honest, you don't really have a lot of fun supporting <laughs> you. You don't have regular fun supporting your team, do you? That's not what it's about. But that year was. And on, on one hand, on a serious note, it did sort of announce our arrival under under the Pozzos, didn't it? It sort of, it did make us think, hang on, have we, you know, Zola, we were there when, when Gianfranco mm. Zola was announced as the manager. We were there at the um, at the press conference and it was like, crikey, Gianfranco Zola, living legend, you know, an absolute bona fide footballing hero across the world is is taking the reins at Watford. Does that mean that there is something special about to, to happen? And you know, you don't really dare to believe at that stage, do you? There was because you know we'd we'd come through some very very difficult times, and we thought we'd we're going to have a brave new era under the previous owner, which turned out to be a complete disaster. So, once bitten, twice shy, and that sort of stuff. So, did we really believe it? Then all the loans started coming in, most of which I dare say the majority of us hadn't really heard of, and it's like, oh, this is not really the Watford we we recognise because it was a big jump you have to remember we'd gone from you know we talked about how we enjoyed the Malky season and, and Sean Dyche and the connection we had with with the squad with the, the homegrown players and all the youngsters and the academy players playing and Nick Cox and his team and the impact they had it felt like a big family and then all of a sudden they were cast aside and all these other guys from all four corners of the globe really were coming in and it was very quickly not a Watford side we recognised but we quickly realised that it was um, we didn't recognise them in a good way because they were a swashbuckling free-flowing fun to watch side they had their their faults of course there were some random results but um, I think that opening game opening day win away at Crystal Palace with the with the two late goals set the tone for just like the Zola coaster sums it up perfectly doesn't it all the way through people forget we had the chance to get promoted on the final day and we had it in our own hands uh, and ultimately blew it and then there was the incredible playoff spectacle against Leicester oh yeah I'd forgotten about that (laughs) (laughs) I mean it, it just felt as the season went on we thought hang on 
maybe we have arrived and maybe we can start looking forward to some sort of fun as as a Watford supporter. Maybe we can start looking to 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 moving up through the through the championship. And that's what of course made the the, the following season so disappointing because this one was so uh, rumbumptuous. It was so exciting. It was so full of promise and it was a it was a genuine new dawn. And of course it ruffled a few feathers with the um, with all the loans coming in. It was uh, it was nice to sort of get a few people wound up and a few people chasing their tails. Uh, Martin Samuel on uh, <laughs> Jason it was a lot of you didn't start you know, we did we did win that that first way game away at Crystal Palace 3-2 just about in the last minute. Um, what was it? What was the, the game for you that really made you go? I'm on the roller coaster. Let's go. Charlton Athletic won. <laughs> Easy answer that it one. It really was, wasn't it? I think we were we were there for that one, and and it was it was an amazing game. I'd also I was at the the, um, the away game at Derby as well about a month or so before that when we lost five one. Oh, I think Carl yeah. Dickinson was playing at centre back, and that was an absolute disaster of a game. Yeah. So to have been at both and see the contrast, and we know what happened at Charlton. Forestieri got sent off. I think one first yellow was for encroaching out of a out of the wall uh, for a Charlton free kick, and the second one was a dive in the penalty area. <laughs> Did for, hey whoa whoa whoa! Did Fernando Forestieri dive? I never saw that happen. Apparently I never so. saw, referee, I never saw the that referee happen. thought so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we'd we'd started well. We'd gone we'd we'd gone a goal up, but then it all went wrong, didn't they? They equalised. Fessy got sent off, and you thought, okay, this is this is going to be difficult. Then we got that one chance, the empty yeah. free kick, which he took beautifully, as we as we now know that he he can do or could do for us. Um, and at the end, the 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 feeling, the connection was there between the fans and the team. Yeah. They were they worked as hard as we'd ever seen them work I think uh, so far that season and I think we realized hang on these guys are they aren't they're not just here for the ride they are here to be part of this team they they clearly believe in what Zola is trying to do and what what he wants to do with Watford Football Club and the connection was there all of a sudden and it's right yes we're all together let's go my favorite thing about the season uh, is the goal difference uh, plus 27 same as Carl over top yeah. however we let in 85 and then we scored 85 <laughs> and we let in 58 incredible I mean the game there's two games in quick succession actually after the one you mentioned Jason and that Charlton one was one of those that sticks in memory but um, a couple of games later we had Peterborough at home and that was actually Arlo's first game he was little and but he saw Watford win 1-0 I think it was a penalty but then I think a couple of weeks after that we beat Leeds away 6-1 yeah that's the other one yeah, yeah. and it's just, you know, we had mentioned earlier beating Millwall away 6-1 is quite good fun. Try winning 6-1 away at Ellen Road. We have a happy neck at, at winning at Ellen Road. <laughs> but and, and Leeds, of course, did that incredible thing where they made available the footage that the Warnock yeah, cam, didn't they? Amazing. So after the <laughs> yes. game, you could you could treat yourself not only to, to Watford scoring six on the road at Leeds, but also watching our old friend Neil Warnock's reaction to each and every, each and every <laughs> Watford goal, which seemed to be an involuntary header. From uh, from Warnock, every <laughs> yeah. time Watford scored, he sort of did a tensed his neck and did yeah. a header. But just what a what a gloriously fun season! It was bonkers, it was crackers. It, it ended in a bit of a damp squib at Wembley, as as, <laughs> as as per usual. Again, I was pretty pretty disappointed with our showing it against Palace. Uh, Not as bad as the semi final. No, and I think <laughs> I think very very different this one and much in the way Jason talks about Charlton and and feeling that feeling that sense of of togetherness with the team I was deeply disappointed with that with the with the playoff final showing as as we all were but I remember I'm going to stay here till the end I'm going to watch Palace lift the trophy 
and I'm not going to be bothered because I know that we're going to be back. We are going to get to the Premier League because this is a team that's that's going somewhere. And that's I told my it's probably the most sort of it was a bit of a coming age a coming of age as a football supporter. I said I can take this on the chin. I was willing to take the short term pain because I knew the long term gain was coming. Um, we just felt that confident, thanks to Gianfranco Zola, those players, and thanks, of course, to the the intervention of of the Pozzos in in taking over the club and and all the subsequent investment and work they've done. And it just felt it felt like a kick in the guts, but a lot less potent than it than it would have done in a in a normal season. It felt like it was part of the process. So it felt like we'd had our fun, we'd had that rip roaring season, we'd had a a moment that football fans, not just in this country but across the world could go and see their team play every game for the next hundred years and they will not see anything close to what no. we saw at Vicarage Road against Leicester. We were, uh, I'm not a religious man, but we were blessed to see that. We so, so to have that in our back pocket and to know that the chances are that we were probably going to have a decent tilt of getting into the, the Premier League, that was, that was a fun season. It ended badly, but it was so much, so much fun and it just felt like the, the start of something really exciting and we're we're still sort of we're still riding that wave today five years five or six seven years years on aren't we it's uh choppy waters at the moment but um we're uh, we're in the surf and enjoying it and it's all i think thanks thanks to that season it set the set the tone for an amazing uh, period in in Watford's history what is going to be number two? I feel like I'm presenting the Radio 1 Top 10, being mysterious about what's number two, because if I tell you what number two is, you know what number one is. We talk about seasons, Jason, a lot here because of what happened with Watford and the managers. We talk about these manag- the, the, the seasons like characters and, and like the manager. This one is the Javi Grazia season, 2018-2019, which ended with a game at Wembley. The last season we talked about at number three ended with a game at Wembley. Both of them not necessarily wins. What is it? What was so much? Let's say in terms of the Premier League, we know there was the magnificent run to Wembley. There was a magnificent semi-final uh, against comeback semi-final against uh, Wolverhampton Wanderers. What was it about the league form that you really find joyous? Let's start at the start for a start <laughs> because that was incredible. Some people will look at those fixtures and go, OK, yeah, you uh, expect to be Brighton. We played a, a Burnley side away who who were in the Europa League and everyone will go, oh, yeah, the effects of playing in the Europa League, blah, blah, blah. Then Palace, OK, great. And then Spurs. And that was big for me. We'd not beaten Spurs since we'd got back into the uh, into the Premier League. Had to come from behind and beat them and have a perfect start after four games and be, let's say, joint top of the Premier League was pretty special and felt like we were in for a good season. And we were in for a, a, a decent season, Mike. It was some losses, some draws, some wins. It, yeah, it was, it was a, a, not a bitty season, but it, it was fairly consistent. There were some, like, say, three games on the trot we lost, but, you know, that's that's part and parcel of being where we were and what type of football team we are in, in the Premier League, in the bigger picture of the Premier League. Yeah. It, it ended horrendously. And it all sort of started after we made it to the FA Cup final and we were safe. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the red for the rest of the season, the only blip really was an early one and that was the home mauling by Bournemouth. We lost 4-0 oh, at home God. to Bournemouth, which was, which was super grim. But Capacelli got that, sent off, didn't he? But apart from that, it kind of... We, we capitalised quite nicely on that, on that brilliant start. But yeah, it all, it all went pretty wrong 
Well, you can you can pinpoint it exactly. The the FA Cup semi final was another superb moment for us as, as Watford supporters. I was I was in America at the time. I was in New York, so I wasn't at Wembley to enjoy it. But it's one that will go down in folklore as one of the the most incredible performances in Watford's history and and probably in FA Cup history as well. It was it was one that that, that people still talk about to this this day. But after that, the the form really did go off a cliff after a after a pretty decent year really up until that point we were we were fighting to 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 get into the Europa League we were in the FA Cup final and and things were looking really really bright I remember we went up to to Huddersfield and speaking to to Kieran on the way back after we beat Huddersfield comfortably in the end we probably made a bit harder work of it than we we should have done we won 2-1 in the end and and it was in our own hands qualifying for Europe was in our were in our own hands we had winnable games against um, Southampton and Wolves West Ham on the final day to come, and and if we got a couple of results there, the chances were we would have qualified for the Europa League. But performances really did just disappear off a cliff. They were they were bad. We looked, we we sort of laboured to a one-all draw with Southampton, then we lost the last three games pretty pretty comfortably, and then carried that form off on into the into the FA Cup final where we were we were absolutely demolished, unfortunately. So, not quite the same as as the Marco Silva one, where it felt like we were uh, were onto something good. This was a lot more sustained. It felt like for three quarters of the season we we put in a really really decent showing, and after a a few seasons where we we'd started relatively well, probably got safe around the New Year period, and then the form had tailed off. So we finished sort of in the bottom bottom third. This one was this was different up until that point where we we won that FA Cup semi final and. It's easy for us as supporters to say, well, players had one eye on that. They felt like they'd they'd achieved everything they 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 could at that stage. FA Cup final for Watford is always going to be a, a major thing. Only the second in our in our history, of course. Uh, easily easily avoided relegation, flirted with Europe. That's going to go down as, as a good season in anyone's book. And it feels like that intensity went went missing of course Troy was was sent off wasn't he was it I can't remember which game he got was it yeah, home, home to, to Arsenal home to Arsenal and oh, and that was disappointing wasn't it and that that kind of and by no means pinning it on Troy but that kind of seemed to be the catalyst for the performances not really being up to to what they were before that we're not the same team without without Troy Deeney we know that and it was just so disappointing that that, that final um, four, five, six games, including the FA Cup final, really did block the copybook of, of the season. But overall, to get to an FA Cup final, to be in with a chance with Europe, to uh, have had that incredible start that, that, that Jason alluded to and to have, be really is pretty consistent for the most part in the Premier League is it, it is, is an achievement. And also... We finally start to see that consistency which we'd been missing. Javi Grathia got was getting a tune regularly out of out of players like you know Etienne Capou is the one I'm going to going to point to. Over the ten years, uh, it feels like I've been talking about Etienne Capou for ten years. He hasn't been with the club for that long, but for the majority of that time, I've been saying he could be so good, but he doesn't put the effort in. And finally, Javi unlocked Etienne Capou, and he and he did that for other players as well. And it just felt like we had that consistency and we felt like a proper cohesive threatening football team um so i think when we look back at it the 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 wounds are still the wounds is overstating a little bit the end of the season is still a bit raw because i think we're still suffering as a a result of the the hangover from that but overall that season had a lot 
a lot to enjoy, and 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 I think when we look back on it, that'll go down as a as as a pretty good one in uh, in terms of in context for Watford. And one. It was a little bit obvious, maybe, but it wasn't purely our number one because it was the one that led to promotion. This mic is the most varied season I think I've ever had as a Watford fan yes it ended on of going into the Premier League but it was you know we we talked we, we, we said that the the Zola coaster this was a proper roller coaster season this was a white knuckle ride this really was and this was probably by far and away the most impressive season I've seen from a from a Watford side perhaps in my Watford supporting career in, in fact I'm going to say it. This is the most impressive season as a supporter for me. This was so tight throughout the year. The battle for promotion was almost unprecedented. It was ridiculous. It was claustrophobic. There was no no room for for slip-ups towards the end of the season. Watford had a major wobble um, in November. They lost all their games. Well, not all their games. Four of their games, four of the five games in in November on on the trot. But you take that out of the picture and Watford were a, a picture of, of consistency and they pulled out some incredible results. They won't, on black and white, uh, in, on black and white, in black and white print, they won't look amazing. Birmingham at home, for example, where they, where they won 1-0. But that was a huge amount riding on that game and it was absolutely vital for them to win it, to stay in the, in the promotion race. And there were so many of those throughout the, the course of the season and they did it with such aplomb, such joie de vivre um, with uh, Odia Nagalo and Troy Deeney running, running riot up, up, up top. Aurelio Gomez in, in, there was so much to enjoy about, about this side. Uh, they, they were entertaining, but they were relentless in their pursuit of promotion and it was a real real thrill to to watch it it was it was hard work it was breathless it was it was spent probably the last two months everyone was spending their lunch break before work after work um at school after school working out the permutations we need Middlesbrough to do this we need Bournemouth to do that we need Derby to lose there we need this to happen we need that to happen and it went on for for what felt like forever and Watford hung in there and they turned in performance after performance after performance and ultimately gave us that incredible day on the on the south coast as the as the season drew to a close it was it was brilliant from that Watford side absolutely brilliant in what was an incredible championship season it was hard to watch but a real thrill to be part of because Jason, you know, we at number ten, the worst season we've we've done as a podcast was two thousand thirteen fourteen. The best season was fourteen fifteen. So we've gone from the beginning to the end. But the weird thing was we started really, really well with a silly number of wins under Beppe Sinino. His last game in charge was a four two win at home where we'd gone down to 10 men very after an hour or just over an hour and we came back with an Alman Abdi injury time goal that sort of sealed it but you know he, he started well and then we had that whole couple of well, month or so where we just were between Oscar Garcia Billy McKinley finally we finished on Slav Slav didn't start very well as Mike sort of said November was terrible but there was a point in that season where you think, well, it's, it's just going to be the same again. We'll, we'll get the Premier League, but it won't be this year. It was all very strange, wasn't it? That You, you talk about Salino's last game and sort of winning with 10 men. One of those games where you think, oh, yeah, again, we're all together in this, you know, 
that everyone's fighting for the cause where clearly they're something wasn't quite right and Sonino left despite having started with what four wins out of five so all very strange there and then yeah just I mean it was a media man's dream wasn't it it was it was a script they wanted is is these foreign owners that are coming to Watford they don't know the championship they don't know what they're doing they're chopping and changing you can't do that with managers where's the loyalty blah 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 but obviously eventually um prove proven wrong and we've talked about some of the big games, and we talked about Slav, it, it, it took a while to get going with that run of four defeats. But there were some pretty big comebacks sort of in the in the middle part of the season. We all know about the 7-2 turnarounds against Blackpool. Um, a few weeks after that, there was the, the come-from-behind win at Brentford, then the big come-from-behind win at Bolton. And then not long after that, we were 2-0 down very quickly at Leeds and came back and won that 3-2. Yeah. And all of a sudden now you're starting to think, right, OK, we, we have got fight in this team. They do want to win this. And then and again, the, the, the finish to the season was just just incredible. I've said it before, there were four strong teams up at the top of the championship and it was going to take a real battle of, of wills to, to come out of that being in the top two to get promoted. Um, and we, we had the minerals to, to go ahead and do it. We did. And, you know, look at what happened in, in the new year. From January into the end of the season, we lost four games. We won a lot more games. <laughs> but the, the game I think people forget about, everyone remembers the 5-0 away at Fulham uh, in December, which was the one that sort of wiped away those four defeats in, in a row. Everyone remembers the 7-2 at home against Blackpool. But the one that gets forgotten is the weekend before... Uh, where we won 5-0 at home to Charlton. We scored 12 goals in two games. Yeah. Uh, and like you say, then the, the battling, I think, but I think you're right, that the, you know, the battling wins are the ones that really sum up what was great about that season. It couldn't have been more perfect for us as a podcast because we had some really... I remember we went to the Hart Senior Cup game at Royston. I went to we went we went and we did a podcast. I'd lost four games in a row at, at Royston in the Hart Senior Cup and Diego Fabrini <laughs> had scored a goal. It's like, oh my God, what's going on here? But it all turned around and it was all absolutely fantastic. I just think the way the way Watford they they sort of morphed into a machine in that in that game. And as you were talking there, Jason, I was just wondering if I'd been a bit hasty saying this was the best the best season I've seen from a Watford um uh, Watford team because obviously they won the the, the the League Two championship and all that sort of stuff. But I just think the way that they gradually turned into this this machine was so impressive and I'm glad you mentioned that Brentford game because I was there and obviously Andre Gray scored to give the Brentford the the lead but I was just so confident that Watford were gonna were gonna come back which is as you everyone will know is is unlike me but they just they just exuded more and more calm and confidence as that as that season wore on and it was very unlike Watford actually <laughs> to, to, give, to have that air of not invincibility because it wasn't that, but air of solid, steely, competitive um, will and desire to win. And it wasn't a flying around the pitch, studs up will to win. It wasn't a sort of. It was a. It was a. It was a cold-hearted, um, you know, ice running through your veins type. Let's do the things we know we can do all the time and we will win enough games to get promoted and and and, and as it turned out that the win against Brentford was great the the Bolton thing was was terrific and that that final run in the one the game that really sticks out in my memory is um is is game against Middlesbrough and it was it was two I think it was an early kickoff it was on 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 TV uh, and obviously Middlesbrough were up there with us and it was 
it wasn't do or die, but whoever won that was gonna was gonna be in better position than the other. And uh, Watford were just really, really professional. Uh, uh, the Vicarage Road was absolutely bouncing. Igalo scored a, a lovely goal, and it was just the most professional performance. As we we didn't ease past them, but we won the big game, and. They were all big games at that part of the season, and and most of the time, we won them. I think there was that one aberration we lost at home to Ipswich, but even then oh, yeah. it was like, that's going to happen, lads. We we've got to chalk that up, and you take that out of the equation, and it was a, a quite extraordinary run of form from a from a team who really were, were absolutely flying. That everyone knew their job, um, sl- everything um, Slav touched turned to to gold, uh, and it was. Um, it was a joy to behold. I was deeply, deeply annoyed that we we threw away the the title with um, sixty seconds of the season left, but um, a couple of pints in in Watford Town Centre after that soon <laughs> quite a lot, yeah, soon yeah. soon saw to that. And uh, you know who will forget the the afternoon down there in Brighton? Um, I'll never forget. You know it was great. We were we were there. My mum and dad were there. My two kids were there. John, we were there, mates were there, my cousins were there. Flo was saying, Daddy, why are those people taking their clothes off and running into the sea with cans of beer? And it's like, well, you'll understand one day, Flo, but please look the other way for now. <laughs> and, but and, and just one of those, again, you talked about Leicester as being one of those moments that you can't hope to recreate. Everything that fell into place for us to get promoted that afternoon was was so unlikely. And, and there we were again, blessed to have such a an extraordinary um, experience supporting this uh, this wonderful football club and it just capped off that that season in in spectacular fashion and just such fond fond memories of the entire decade but but what a season that is and I'll forever be grateful to to all of those guys I've fond memories of each and every one of those squad and of course Slavisa Jukanovic who left the club at the end of that season but what a what a terrific terrific experience what a brilliant brilliant season we're the Orns you're the Orns We've gone through our top 10 seasons uh, of all the 10 seasons we've been doing this podcast and chatting about from the rookery end. We can't thank you enough for, for listening to this episode or, or any one of the episodes that we've done. But I really can't help but think, looking at this list and, 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 and thinking back to what we've all been talking about, this has got to be the best 10 years to have been talking about what for football club. Jason... Even looking back at the 10 years under Graham Taylor's first stint at Watford, it was monumental, it was historic, but it wasn't as fun and varied as this, surely. No, and I think as well, we were all younger, weren't we, under the uh, under the Taylor era. So that almost felt normal. It felt like, OK, this is, this is what watching Watford's about. Great, we're going to win a trophy one day and it will be, yeah, that'll be, that'll be fine. And obviously things then took a big dip. So I think we, we then sort of only experienced the... The dip, the the sort of drop into um, what is now League One, getting back up a couple of high points with wins in playoff finals, and then the inevitable relegations from uh, from Premier League. So now, having spent the last ten years seeing, we had a couple of scenes that were fun with uh, with Malky and Dyche, and then the Pozzo era, where that sort of built up and up, had the promotion. And now being an established Premier League side where we can get good cup runs, we're seeing quality players, we bloody the noses of the big boys every now and again, almost sort of culminating where we are today with our last home game and that 3-0 hammering of the champions elect of the, the team that were going to be the new Invincibles. Fantastic stuff. 
I know where you're coming from. I think it's dangerous to compare it with, with the GT era. It- I'm not saying it's the best. I'm not saying it's the greatest. I'm not saying it's the most successful. I'm just saying it's the most varied and probably the most, because it's the most varied, the most that we could have hoped for in terms of having to talk about it. Absolutely. And I think it what it does do is remind us how fortunate we have been um, to be Watford fans in our in our lifetime, we've got that incredible period, that romantic period under Graham Taylor, where we came up through the leagues and created the the club that we that we know now, and we've had this amazing decade as well, and we've just had two incredible periods to look back on as as Watford supporters, and I say it a lot, and and I genuinely mean it. I feel lucky that we're Watford supporters. I think we 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 definitely uh, our numbers came up when for whatever reason we ended up as as hornets and to have those two great periods in our history to happen so recently for a for a, a town the size of ours with a supporter base the size size of ours is is extraordinary. We're lucky. Um we, we mentioned the people we've met. We're lucky to have met them. We've got wonderful supporters. There's wonderful people involved at the club. There's wonderful people that, that work there. And the stuff we've seen over the last ten years, like you say, John, if we'd have written a script, we probably wouldn't have been able to come up with with half the stuff we've been we able would have been laughed to, to talk at about for coming up with we this would. ten year season. <laughs> and it's been I can't stress it enough. It has been brilliant to to meet everyone that's been a part of the podcast. Brilliant to know that people take the time out of their day to listen to what we say. Brilliant to follow Watford up and down the, the country. Brilliant to be a part of this of this Watford family. Rewarding, emotional, exciting, frustrating a massive part of my life and I wouldn't want it any other way. I've loved this decade. I've loved being part of From the Rookery End and I can't wait to see what's next. Thank you very much for listening to this podcast, the first one of a week-long set of podcasts where we're going to be speaking to people from the last 10 years, including Danny Graham, Nick Cox, a former head of Academy, uh, and also, well, the man himself we'll be speaking to later on this week. Thank you very much. Thank you, Michael. You're more than welcome. Thank you, John. And thank you, Jason. Thank you very much. Come on, you all!